0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. At First Baptist, we exist to love God, love people, and make disciples. We hope you find yourselves blessed, encouraged, and challenged by this week's message. For all things First Baptist, how you can get involved, or for more information, you can follow us on social media, YouTube, or visit us at fbcrockhill.org. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad that you are here this morning. I hope everybody here had a great Thanksgiving. I'm sure there were a few pounds added uh, in our meals this weekend. Uh, if you're a guest, we would uh, love to get to know you a little bit better and uh, you can help us uh do that, get you to know what's going on here at First Baptist Church as well. You can text the word guest to that number uh, on the screen and we'll get back in touch with you and uh, follow up with some more information. Uh just want to say this morning is a special service. Uh we are going to be focusing on um, uh, some of the mission trips that First Baptist Church uh, members went on in 2023. You got to see some of the uh, the pictures uh, on that video uh, just, to, just as we were coming up. And you're going to hear some stories about uh, how God worked on those trips. Uh, and we, we want to take a minute, and we just want to recognize... The team members from First Baptist Church who served on the mission field uh, this year. Uh, And we also want to give you a chance to uh, get involved in 2024 mission trips. So when you sat down, there was a card in your seat. Uh, Let me encourage you to to look at that card. Go ahead and during the uh, course of this worship service, go ahead and fill out the bottom of that card. uh, And hopefully as we get through this service, God will speak to you. And this is just where 2024 is going to take First Baptist Church. And we would love for folks who haven't been on a trip to go and be involved in that, uh, and this will be a chance for you to uh, to let us know that you're interested. Signing up on that card doesn't mean you are obligated to go; it just gives you a chance to say, "I'm interested uh, in being involved in one of the mission trips we have for 2024." In 2023, we had seven teams from First Baptist Church who served on mission uh, outside of Rock Hill. Uh, and at this time, uh, I'm going to call out those teams. Uh, and if you went on the mission trip, as I call out that team name I'm just going to ask you to stand and remain standing because uh, I want the church to see who all was involved in uh, that uh, on those mission trips so if you went to Nome Alaska in January for the women's conference I'll ask you if you would just please stand right. if you went to Kentucky with Big Creek missions if you went to Alaska stay standing I'm, I want to get if you went to Kentucky with Big Creek missions if you would please stand right. I know some of our guys are here yet. Yeah. Yeah. there we go uh, if you went to m in Asheville, so that's students and uh, adults, any, anybody, if you went to m in Asheville, if you would please stand. All right. If you went to Costa Rica with Filter of Hope, would you please stand? If you went to Pittsburgh in either February or September and served with Steel City Church, would you please stand? If you went to France and served along with our IMB missionaries back in October, would you please stand? A very important part of uh, our mission teams that went out were we had prayer partners and prayer teams that served alongside them, praying for them as they went. So if you were on one of our prayer teams for our mission trips, would you please stand as well? Because you are a very important part of our trip. I know we had at least one couple who went to the Dominican Republic with a different organization and probably some folks who went on mission trips with different churches. If you went on a mission trip outside of Rock Hill uh, this year, would you stand? All right. All right. So listen, you guys remain standing because I'm going to ask uh, some other folks to join you as well. Um, serving on the mission field uh, takes us away from home, but what is also important is the folks who served in the community in Rock Hill uh, this year. And so I want, to, I, w- I want to ask you, if you participated in one of our mission projects locally, as I call it out, uh, would you please stand as well? So if you, if you served alongside our partnership with our school, would you please stand? All right, if you served with Pathways Community Center, Life Builders, ESL, would you please stand? If you served with the Bethel Men's Shelter, the Full Life Hope Center, the Havens Men's Shelter, would you please stand? If you served with Keystone Substance Abuse, or if you served at one of the women's shelters like Her Place or the Life House, would you please stand? If you served with United International Ministries, Baptist Collegiate Ministries, or Fellowship of Christian Athletes, would you please stand? If you served with Grounds or Grace, the Rock Hill Dream Store, uh, would you please stand? And I know we had some students who did that over, uh, over spring break. Uh, if you served with Roland and Rock Hill or with our yard work ministry team here in Rock Hill, would you please stand? If you served at uh, the Children's Attention Home or Hope of Rock Hill or Hope of Lancaster, would you please stand? All right. If you served with the Salvation Army Bell Ringers or Operation Christmas Child, would you please stand? All right. I know we have some folks who just did that. Thank you so much. All right, now, if I missed an organization or a ministry, if you volunteered in our community in any way uh, uh, this year as a representative of First Baptist Church, would you please stand and join those folks who are, st- who are standing now? And, and let me just say this. Let me say thank you. To everyone who served and, and worked in our community, who served on the mission field, and this is what this is what I want you to realize: every person standing has had an impact uh, in in somebody's life this year. Uh, and a, as the missions pastor, I am so thankful to every person who uh, served and worked uh, both on the mission field uh, or in Rock Hill on the mission field here uh, in Rock Hill. So, uh, will you take a moment and just say thank you to everyone who's standing? Right now. All right, if you would just remain standing, I'm going to say a prayer, uh, and after I pray, you can be seated. Lord, thank you so much for the impact that Rock Hill has uh, in this community. Thank you for the members who serve as they are called, uh, and Lord, we pray that as we uh, as we go into 2024, you would call us to a deeper walk with you and to serve you Uh more fully and in a way that impacts more lives in Jesus name Amen. All right, so you can be seated. Thank you so much uh, for uh, joining uh, us here this morning. I have asked four people from mission trips uh, around Rock Hill, and I've already used up too much of our time. So when you look at, see me look at my watch, I told them uh, that uh, when I look at my watch, it means we're about wrapping up. But anyway, we're going to start over here with Eden. If you, all of these folks went on a mission trip with Rock Hill this year, so I'm going to let Eden, and we're just going to kind of go through, share... Uh, um, the, mission, the mission trip that you went on and just a brief summary of that mission trip.
1: Yeah, so my
2: name is Eden Richardson. We went to Nome, Alaska in January of this past year, myself and a few other ladies from this church, and we got to host a women's conference for the native ladies there.
0: And Eden also, I, I didn't even get her chance to say she went to Pittsburgh and led a women's conference with Steel City Church as yes. well. So. Yeah. All right, and Davy.
1: Uh, Davy Bannister uh, with Filter of Hope. We actually went to Costa Rica. Uh had a group aged 18 to 82, so anyone can go with us, uh, and we distributed water filters and shared the gospel there through the local church.
0: Yeah. And Riley.
3: Okay, I'm Riley Schrantz, and I served on the Pittsburgh team doing like a jumpstart event for their youth t- their youth group. I went to Summit, and then I went to Enfuge on the evangelism team sharing the gospel with homeless people in Asheville.
4: Hi, I'm Faye Lakey. I went with a team to Marseille, France. We worked with... Uh, International mission team there on the ground working to make connections with the Muslim community primarily from North African countries
0: And I'm gonna start with Davey because you're sitting there holding a water filter and everybody's wondering what that is. So uh, um, Tell us a little bit about the water filter and how y'all used it in Costa Rica
1: So Costa Rica is one of the areas about two-thirds of the world doesn't have clean water So we take that for granted here in the US uh, but it, it leads to sickness and, and sometimes even worse in those countries, and so taking them a water filter, which is what this is, uh, putting it on their bucket, so we installed it in homes, uh, one, at a, one family at a time, with a local church, uh, getting us into those homes with prearranged visits. Uh, and So we would give them a water filter with their bucket, that would provide clean water for 10 years, uh, and they've just got to back flush it out, and we show them how to do that. We are doing it all through a translator uh, in the Spanish. And then we have a second gift. So while this is a great gift and they are really happy to get it, we talk to them about the Bible that we have got for them uh, in Spanish in Costa Rica and uh, share with them how Jesus is like this water filter for our dirty hearts that are kind of like the dirty water that we have just shown them. So it makes a really good uh, picture of the gospel. And gives us an opportunity to do both, uh, help the physical need as well as their spiritual needs.
0: And and we had church members uh, who went with us from Costa Rica, the Costa Rican church we worked with. Uh, So these and these visits were already lined up. They they knew we were coming.
1: Yes, and then afterwards they're following up and bringing them to church
0: and things like that. So it's really good, full circle. Davey's going to have the water bucket back next to the Salvation Army. Uh, sign after the service. If you'd like to go by and see how, how dirty water becomes clean through that water filter after the service, stop back by there and uh, check in with Davey. And, and now, now the great thing about the Costa Rica team, we had a, uh, we had a tangible, uh, vis- uh, visible gift to take into people's homes uh, and, and share the gospel with them. So it kind of really opened the door automatically. Uh, Fay, you went to uh, France, and y'all's, y'all's experience was very different. So tell a little bit about what y'all did.
4: Our trip was definitely different. There was no set program of what we were giving out. We mostly went out with the mission team there into the community. Much like we've talked around our church neighboring, just working to build relationships, the men would go in uh, the tea houses and work to strike up conversations with men. The women would go out the parks or maybe the market, see if we could make connections and just talk to people. We went out the park one Sunday afternoon and spent time. The men, of course, would talk to men, and women would talk to women. And we just tried to start gospel conversations. Much of what we do in our everyday life here, as we encounter someone, we just try to figure out where they're at, see if we can share the gospel with them, and just keep talking to people and building relationships.
0: And you had a really interesting encounter with with one uh, couple in particular. Share, Share about that.
4: One day, I think it was the first Saturday we were there, we'd gone to the market with Molly, one of the missionaries, and uh, just walking through, seeing who we could start a conversation with. And we would went up to a booth, a man, um, in Major Ram, in fact, I'm wearing the necklace and earrings, uh, he handmade it all. And he was very broken for what was going on in the world. Um, We really felt the impact of the war going on in Israel and, and Gaza there. Uh, especially all the Muslims. And uh, he was just so broken, but there was a barrier to really share the gospel, especially women don't share the gospel to men. And so he refused to speak English to my husband, although he could speak English. So um, it was definitely one of those times where Satan was doing everything he could to stop it. Um, but she, uh, Molly shared as much as she could. She told him we were Christians, that we also were praying for the brokenness of the world and just kept trying to draw him out. But there were definitely limitations. So she was hoping to send her husband and uh, John, the other missionary, back to hunt him down and see if they could get into a gospel conversation. So it's it's a slow process, just like it can be here as you meet someone trying to get that door open to share with them.
0: And, and Eden, you on your known trip, you worked with Native Alaskan uh, women during really one of the darkest times literally of the year, The you know, just a little bit of uh, sun, sunlight each day. Why, why was it important for y'all to be there uh, at that time of the year?
2: Yeah, so not only was Nome filled with a lot of physical darkness, I mean, there's like four hours of sunlight a day, but there's a lot of spiritual darkness, anxiety, depression rates are very high. And so we got to share with the ladies how Christ is the light in the midst of their darkness. And so several of them actually accepted Jesus as their savior that week.
0: Amen, amen, and that's great that you guys were able, you ladies were able to do that in uh, the midst of, uh, of that darkness. And Riley, you were part of two teams this year. Uh, during the summer, you went to Asheville, and then in uh, September, you went up to Pittsburgh and served uh, up there. Tell us a little bit about your experience in, in Asheville. Tell us a little bit about what y'all did as a team.
3: Um, so we just kind of walked around downtown Asheville. We were doing prayer walks, and Asheville has a really high homeless population, mm-hmm. so We were you know sitting with people in the parks and like you know hearing their stories because they don't often have people who just want to come and listen to them but i had like a really special encounter with a guy in the park who thought he was part wolf and he had like a really special connection to like nature and this had led him to have like a really twisted version of christianity and so he thought he was a believer but the religion that he was practicing was not Christianity, and so, um, Toby and I were, like, having, like, this really good conversation with him, and Toby was trying to, like, you know, share actual scripture from the Bible, and he did not want to hear it, so it can be, like, really discouraging sometimes, because there are people who are so closed off to the gospel, but, like, it's just important to have a strong prayer life and just, you know, keep pushing.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, we can see the spiritual battles that each of y'all uh, face. Riley, a, a, a guy who thinks he's part wolf. Uh, Faye, a man who just knows his brokenness but isn't willing to admit to that. And then, and know him, seeing the, the depression that comes about through the... the Visible darkness that leads to a spiritual darkness. Uh, Davey, uh, uh, you, uh, you had an encounter that clearly showed God's timing is important in our spiritual battles. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that experience.
1: Yeah, we, we had a. God showed up in a mighty way in Costa Rica, but the one that really stands out the most to me, um, we went to a, we'll call it a, a large family gathering. Uh, and so we had three generations of folks there. And um, As we went through the Gospel presentation, it was obvious the Holy Spirit was working and had broken three of them, and uh, so we had three folks receive Christ, and uh, we were all crying, and and, um, the pastor who was with us would tell us afterwards that Antonio, who was the older man that received Christ, in a wheelchair with an amputated leg, two weeks prior had been in the hospital and had been declared that he was going to die. And so they had actually reached out to the church to do a funeral service, mm-hmm. and the church um, had been praying that he would be healed so he could hear the gospel and receive Christ. Yeah. It was pretty awesome that we found out that we were, we were that answer, and, and God just allowed us to be a part of it, but um, that really stuck out that in God's timing, he wasn't done with Antonio yet, and so it was great to see him come to Christ that day.
0: Amen. I, I, I want y'all to y'all to capture that. This guy was supposed to be dead two weeks before the team goes in, and they share the gospel with him, and he's still, you know, because the church prayed, and he's still alive. And they have the chance. He has a chance to receive eternal life right there uh, in that moment. So, man, praise the Lord for the work that y'all did uh, in uh, in uh, France. In, uh uh, Asheville and Pittsburgh and in Costa Rica and also in in Nome and again in Pittsburgh. Y'all thank this team so much uh, for for being a part of this panel. Thank y'all so much for uh, for serving uh, on our mission trips. And again, as we as we kind of wrap up, I uh, just want to give you guys a reminder. We we want we want you to experience some of the things that these folks experienced and be a part of those uh, uh, part of those stories. And and here's a way for you to begin to do that. Uh, there's even a of prayer options being on a prayer team so uh, you guys as uh, we continue to worship I just ask you to stand and continue to be praying uh, as this service goes on as to what God's going to call you to do so if y'all would please stand as we continue to worship I have uh, invited Amy Gamerell, uh to come up here and uh, and share about some of her missions experiences uh, and so I want her to introduce herself first so Amy tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and how long you've been a member here at First Baptist Church
2: I'm Amy Gamerl. I have a husband, Jeff, and two boys, Noah and Carson, who are 20 and 21. And I've been here about two and a half years.
0: All right. And Jeff's sitting right over here. Uh, hey, Jeff, good to see you this morning. Uh, and uh, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit and let folks know uh, that your very first mission trip with First Baptist Church actually wasn't in 2023. It was actually in 2022 when we partnered with Alaska Missions, and we took a team up to serve in Kenai, Alaska, at the Salmon Frenzy. So, before 2022 and our trip to Alaska, tell me a little bit about your missions background before that. I had none. <laughs> <laughs> she had zero mission trip uh, experience zero. before you decided to go to Alaska with okay. us. So what made you decide to go to Alaska with us and uh, uh, serve at the Salmon Frenzy in 2022? The real and accurate version
2: is that I looked on the list and I felt like I was called to go on a trip
0: and the time was good but it was the one I could afford. (laughs) So, so you said, yes, I want to go somewhere. And then you looked at the list. So last year uh, we had a list that's very similar to what you have on your seat uh, and and a chance to sign up and, uh, and be a part of it. And you looked at the one from two years ago, I guess, two years ago. And you said, salmon frenzy fits my schedule and I can afford to go and and do that. So uh, it was really just that simple. So tell us a little bit about what you did on that first mission trip. uh, in, in Kenai. What I did was not what I went to do. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I forgot about that.
2: I went to serve um, as as a former children's minister, I went to serve children and I did not serve the first child. Yeah. Um I went on the boat dock with some friends and we served hamburgers and hot dogs. No, we served hot dogs and lemonade and coffee and served the families that were there boat fishing instead of um, dip nut fishing. And I felt a stirring. I just couldn't stand there and give out another well, let hot. Me, dog. Let me stop
0: here. Let me because let, we're going to get because okay. I want to make sure. So, so uh, the salmon frenzy is basically a time when Alaskans come in and fish for for salmon. And one group was serving on a beach where people were standing out with a dip net dip in the net. water, mm-hmm. uh, and you were serving at a boat ramp where people would drive up, put a boat in the water, and then park their car and get in the boat and go go fishing when they would leave or come in. Y'all had a stand there where people could get hot dogs. Free hot
2: dogs, Bibles, water. Um, When the boat dock closed down at low tide, there were hundreds of cars waiting to either get their boats out or put their boats in. And it just felt this restlessness And I told Christy Henchman, I'll be right back. And way out of my comfort zone, I walked through the park and through the driveway for a little over half a mile and stopped at every car to ask if I could pray for them and pray for their family, pray for their safety and for a profitable catch because that feeds their
0: family for the whole year. Yeah, so, uh, and did you have any kind of response to to that? What kind of response did you have as you asked people if you could pray for them?
2: I don't think I've had as many hugs in my entire life. Um, Not one single family said that I couldn't pray for them and pray with
0: them. It was pretty amazing. That's awesome. So uh, we're going to skip forward in time just a little bit, uh, and but just to recap, your 2023, you did go to Nome with Eden and the women's yes. uh, uh, team that went up to the women's conference in January, uh, and then you went back to the uh, to work in Alaska in March. Uh, at the Iditarod uh, race, and you did a lot of uh, work there with Alaska Missions. And then last summer for five weeks, uh, you served in Kenai kind of as a volunteer staffer with Alaska Missions at the Salmon Frenzy. Uh, So uh, a a lot of that, just to to ask this question, how uh, has you saying yes... Uh, back in 2021 to go on a 2022 mission trip. How has that impacted uh, your life and shaped you as a result? Well, I had planned on going on other mission trips, basically,
2: um, and that didn't happen. I just kept getting called back to Alaska. And there are a lot of times where... I really covet prayers of provision because I don't really know how I'm going to get there. And even as a staff member, I'm not paid. And airfare is quite expensive. So lots of prayers. I don't know how I'm going to get there most of the time, Um, but God always comes in and provides. So it changed my prayer life Mm. and it changed who I am. All I wanted to do was be used by God. And I felt like as an almost empty nester, I wasn't being used at all and I didn't know I didn't know what that looked like, you know, outside of the four walls of my home, I didn't know what that looked like. And I said yes before knowing what the question was, and that has completely changed my life.
0: Yeah, and and now as a result of, I I think you told me this, you said on the very first Mission trip to to Alaska. You knew after the first day or two that you were coming back to Alaska. To Alaska with yeah. Alaska Mission, Jeff. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, tell me a little bit about your long term plans as you leave, as you left Alaska this summer. Tell us a little bit about what you you and Jeff are praying about doing.
2: Well, it it not only changed my prayer life, my spiritual life, it's changing my zip code as well. Yeah. We'll be. Um, we have prayerfully plan to move to Eagle River, Alaska in 2025.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah, amen, amen. So, so uh, all of that happened because you just said yes, uh, and you went on a mission trip. Uh, here's what I'm going to tell you. If you say yes to go on a mission trip, that doesn't mean God is going to call you to go move to Eagle River, Alaska, okay? Let me say that. But he might. But He might. He might. Uh, and and I, would, I, would, I would say, if we are living our fullest life, uh, and I know you use Psalm 37.4, yes. uh, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And when you align yourself with the Lord, right. He has given you uh, the desires of His heart. In of your His heart, because those are not the desires of <laughs> my heart. Um, uh. It's
2: cold. And um, one thing that our director reminds me of a lot is the Great Commission has no thermostat.
0: Uh, Amen, amen, amen. Listen, y'all thank Amy for being here. All right, Amy, thank thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. And, and listen, uh, we do have some time constraints here this morning because I know some of you have some family gatherings to get to and want to uh, let you get to those. Uh, but you have not heard all of Amy's story. Uh, she has a lot more to say. Uh, but Amy was gracious enough to sit down with me uh, last week and we did a fuller interview uh, with her t- telling her story. Uh, and it'll be online this week. It's about twenty mi- about a twenty minute watch or listen. Uh, so I would encourage you to uh, go and uh, listen to that this week and uh, just. Pray, see what God can do in your life uh, when when you just say yes. Uh, and then let him tell you where uh, he wants you to go. So, hey, uh, as we continue to reflect on our mission trips for the past year, uh, I'm going to use a, a passage of scripture in in Acts about Paul's second missionary journey uh, in Acts chapter 16. But also, I'm also going to tell some stories about my experiences, so that we can see what happens when when we say yes to God and we go and we serve. Uh, I got to be a part of the the team that went to Costa Rica this year to serve with Filter of Hope back in June. Uh, We served alongside that local church. We installed water filters uh, in people's homes, and we shared the gospel as we did that. Uh, And I'm going to share some of my experiences in light of Paul's uh, experiences uh, as a missionary. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Acts chapter 16. Uh, And in Acts chapter 16, we find uh, the story recorded of Paul's second missionary journey. Um, We're going to look at a few verses throughout chapter 16, but I want to give you just this quick reminder. Uh, Paul went on his first missionary journey, and it's recorded earlier in Acts. He went with uh, a guy named Barnabas, uh, and they traveled throughout Asia just north of where they left in Antioch uh, uh, in what's now Turkey. And then they came back to Antioch, uh, and they shared what God had done, and they, they, they visited with the brothers there, went to Jerusalem, and came back to Antioch. But in his second missionary journey that we're going to read about uh, in uh, Acts chapter 16, Paul goes with a guy named Silas. They leave from Antioch. And they began traveling back to some of the areas that he'd visited on his first missionary church, uh, on his first missionary journey, places like Derby, uh, in Lystra, uh, in, uh, in, S- in southern Asia. And it's there where we read these verses, starting in verse one of Paul, of uh, Acts chapter 16. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother, was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And Paul wanted to take... Uh, um Timothy along on the journey, so we circumcised him because the Jews who lived in that area and they all knew his father was a Greek, uh, and as they traveled from town to town, they delivered decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And so the churches in that area were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily uh, in their numbers. So here in this first few verses of chapter 16, Paul and Silas leave on their trip and they, they go to uh, uh, this area and they meet a guy named Timothy in one of the very first towns that they visit. Uh, and Timothy is a believer and, and, and Paul invites him to join them uh, on their mission trip. So this is the first lesson I want to to share with you about what happens when we go on a mission trip. The first lesson is this. We get to meet and interact with others who are believers. So listen, I want to say many of our experiences in other countries from believers are very different than ours. And I want to share with you just real quickly some of the differences that we face, from, that we face when we travel to other countries. People who in our other countries have experiences that are different from us. Some of the differences that we face, the first one is language. We, we use translators in Costa Rica. I know the team in France use translators. Uh, and, and, and so we have to overcome sometimes a, a language barrier. We also, we also face a cultural difference. Uh, when we travel, we have to accommodate to the people with whom we work. I'm just gonna tell you this. In Costa Rica, uh, they have a saying, it's called Pura Vida, it means pure life. Uh, and and they, they they kind of it's kind of like hey what's happening pura vida that's just the that's just what they say pura vida it means it's all good it's everything's good what 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 we found out was that pura vida means this. They don't have a schedule that they're following in their life. Just enjoy the unconstructed time as it passes through and don't ask to move any faster than, uh, than they're willing to move. Listen, Pura Vida is a hard thing for us Americans who are task-oriented, who want to go and do. We, want, we have a mission, and, and we've got to do it. Pura Vida is like, yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll do that, but first, let's just enjoy each other's company. Let's just enjoy the, the rain that's falling outside. It is a cultural difference that Americans on mission have to face. Another difference is wealth. And I'm going to, you listen, you may not believe this, but I, I, it is almost 100% true. The the poorest person on, from any American mission team going into a, especially a, a, a country like Costa Rica, every... Every person on that mission team is wealthier than every believer that we come in contact with. Very few exceptions to that rule. We, they, and, and listen, they know, they view us as that. We don't view ourselves as rich. If I were to ask you if you were rich, you would probably go, no, I'm not rich. But when we go and visit other countries, we are overwhelmingly wealthy. Also, a di- a different, another difference is family. We go into a lot of homes where there's not just moms and dads and kids, but it's, it's grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts, uncles, cousins, that live all under the same roof. And because of that, uh, we, get to, we get to experience their lives uh, in a different way. The, the lived experiences of the people that we work with. Uh, in Costa Rica, uh, we went into people's homes, and one lady literally just had a nail salon set up in the front of her house. And we sat on a we we sat on a, a couch next to her workspace where she was going to do nails when we left, and shared the gospel and installed a filter for her. We went into another lady's house, and when we walk onto the front porch, there's a there's a stand, and it's got it's got it's closed. There's a gate over it, but right behind it, you can see there's candy bars and cokes and uh, and all of these other things. And she just would she when, when she was finished with us, she would go. Stand in that stand and right out of her front porch she would sell just whatever people needed she ran a a little store right there in her house and while some of that takes place here it's very unusual for us to see that in our house there's just a different lived experience and listen I'm going to say the last thing the the last thing a big difference that we face is church culture Uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret the rest of the world does not do worship services like we do here in America. And that's okay, it's, it's different. Our worship service on that Sunday morning when we were in Costa Rica lasted about two hours. We walked in about 15 minutes late. They were singing. There was a lady waving a flag, and she had the uh, the little streamers that she was she was waving as we sang, and we, we went, and we got her in place, and we joined in. We didn't know what they were saying. It was in a different language. And the streamer lady starts waving her streamers up and down the aisle, and then she grabs some of us. And w- there's a there, there's one picture of one of our guys waving a flag as he's standing up in front uh, of the worship service. There may be a video of me dancing at that worship service on that Sunday morning. I don't know where it is and don't really want anybody to see it. But listen, there are are differences that we face when we go into other countries. But one of the things I want to say to you, in spite of all the differences that we have with other believers, we have something, or, or more accurately, someone greater that binds us together and his name is Jesus whatever we ex- differences we ex- experience across cultures we experience the unity of Jesus i've been to another a number of countries in my life on mission trips ecuador bolivia south africa zambia uh, england honduras costa rica just to name a few and every time i'm always amazed at how quickly our team binds with the believers in that area. We can't speak the same language. We, we don't have the same culture, the same background. We worship differently and yet, and yet there's this immediate bond. That takes place. I want to share with you one real quick story. We, our team had gone to uh, one house to install a filter for a blind man. Uh, and after we finished the installation, I, I asked this at every house. I said, On a scale of one to 100, how sure are you that when you die, you'll go to heaven? And this blind man responded, He goes, Oh, Pastor, I am 100% sure that I'll go to heaven. And this house, we lift up and praise Jesus. And it was just this incredible experience standing in that man's house. And we had this beautiful prayer time where we got to pray for him. And he prayed for us. And we were so blessed by that man, that precious believer. So what happens when we go on a mission trip? We meet and interact with other believers. And we also encounter the unexpected going back to Paul's missionary journey uh, in, uh, in Acts chapter 16. In verses six through eight, Paul and his team had planned to continue northward to share the gospel, but I want you to listen to what they encountered. Starting in verse six. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phargia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, I want you to catch this. Paul and his team had an itinerary. And if you go on a mission trip with me, there's an itinerary. But God had other plans. And this is what I'll say. If God has other plans for you, events are always gonna go better for you if you'll follow him. So listen to what happens next in verse 8. So they passed by Mysia, and they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. Now, this is important. If you're not paying attention, you'll overlook this, and and, and this is an important fact. Paul had planned to go further into Asia, to go back to where he is, had been before but directed by the holy spirit the team takes a detour and it's in verse 10 paul takes to the gospel to europe for the very first time macedonia is where greece is and now i i think it's important for us to realize if paul had stuck to his itinerary he wouldn't have gone to plant ch- uh, plant churches in europe and there's certainly, listen, there's certainly already believers in Europe, people from Pentecost who'd heard the gospel and traveled back. But this is the first time there was a concerted effort to plant churches and share the gospel in, uh, uh, in Europe. And because Paul was willing to be flexible, and that's the word you'll hear if you go on a trip with me, flexibility, be flexible. Do what, we, do what we're supposed to do, not what we plan to do. He was able to advance the gospel and take it to places that had never heard it before. Now, how does that affect us? As we're sitting in our church seat on a Sunday morning in November, right after Thanksgiving, all full, uh, uh, from, from all of our meals, I want to say, we all have this kind of routine that we can get into. We have these rhythms of life and and we find comfort in those routines. We find comfort in those rhythms. But by going somewhere else, by getting on a plane and going to Alaska or Costa Rica or getting in a car and going to Kentucky or Pittsburgh, we get out of our routines and we are more attuned to what God has to say to us. So when we go on a mission trip, we meet and interact with other believers. We encounter the unexpected, and then we leave behind a changed people. I want to go back to Paul's story in Acts chapter 16. He leaves Macedonia, and he eventually arrives in Philippi. It's the book that the Philippians, that Philippians is written to, the people at Philippi. And here's what happens in Philippi, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who'd gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord had opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. She says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, Lord, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Listen, we have here in Acts chapter sixteen the story of the first convert of Philippi, Lydia and her family, and from what what we have, the, from there we have the beginnings of the first church uh, in Europe, the Philippian Church. It was a church that Paul would call a partner in spreading the good news about Christ. So listen, as we get out of our comfort zones, we open ourselves to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We begin to to see changed lives. I want to share with you some tangible numbers of what happened while we were on the ground in Costa Rica. We were able to install 51 water filters for people. We were able to share the gospel 96 times. And 33 new believers came to Christ as a result of us getting out of our comfort zone, breaking out of our routine, and getting on a plane. In going to Costa Rica the last point is this what happens when we go on a mission trip we meet and interact with other believers we encounter the unexpected we leave behind a changed people we leave changed by our experiences we leave changed God God is not finished with us when we leave the mission field God continues to change our lives as we move forward. I want to share with you a little about what Paul said to the Philippian believers after he continued his missionary journey. He wrote to them probably five or 10 years later in the book of Philippians and we have his words here. He says in verse three of chapter one of Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you In all my prayers for you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you, Philippian church, sharing God's grace with me, and God, listen, I love this. God can testify for how I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Listen, the people at the church in Costa Rica, we may never talk to them on this earth ever again, but we'll share a bond with them across the miles and the time Because we were able to build a relationship with them. We were able to encounter God's work with them. We were able to see lives change with them. And as a result, our lives changed. Now, how does it change? How does our lives change? It expands our our vision of other believers. It helps us see other people as people in Christ. Helps us learn and grow from their faith. It expands our faith in God. Listen, when we see God move, we're able to come back and be excited that God is going to do something bigger the next time we go. It also increases our desire to see God work wherever we are. Steve White, when he came back from uh, serving on the team in Marseille, France, he said this. We were sitting around talking. I said, tell me what happened. Tell me, and he shared with me about what happened. And I said, tell me, when you come back, what's your thoughts now? And he said, listen, when we would go into an area, uh, to a park or a coffee shop or a market or anywhere we were going, sometimes just walking down the streets with the missionaries, he said the missionary would stop and they would pray, he said, Lord, show us who to talk to and give us an opportunity to speak about Christ. And Steve said, that's something that I can and should do every day of my life. Right here in Rock Hill. Lord, tell me who to speak to. Lead me to that person and give me the opportunity to share. Listen, one of the reasons, one of the reasons we go and serve around the world, not just because Jesus told us to, but because it brings uh, back with us an increased desire to see God work right here in Rock Hill, in our neighborhoods, and in our communities, in our schools, and in our workplaces. It, we, we long to see the, the spiritual darkness overcome by the light of Jesus Christ. And when we serve on a mission field and we come home, it increases our desire to do that. So what is God saying to you today? where is God calling you to serve? It may be one of these places on the, the sheet that we've handed out. It may be in one of the ministries that we work here in Rock Hill with. It may be being a part of a prayer team and you can sign up to be a part of, of a prayer team in the coming year for some of our church plant partners on the coast for, for the missionary team that's gonna be going back to France and the folks who are serving there. So in a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna sing together as an act of worship. And as we sing, if you already know, God, I I, I am interested in being a part of this mission trip, or I want to hear more about these mission trips, just fill that card out and drop it here on the altar. You can come up and give it to me. You can come up and give it to one of our other pastors or just hand it to me. There's a little QR code on there. If you go, I'm not sure yet. I want to think about it and pray about it a little bit more. Scan that QR code and there's a place that will take you where you can sign up online or bring that card back to me next week or shoot me an email. My email address is on there. But listen, I want to say this as we close. Don't miss a blessing that God has in store for you when you go and serve. So as we get ready to worship, let's stand together, let's lift our hearts in prayer and respond to him as God calls us. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being a God who is bigger than the city of Rock Hill. Thank you that you have work going on all around the world. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the opportunity for you to bless us when we say yes to change our lives when when we say yes. Lord, may your Spirit speak to us right now and prompt us to say yes, whether it's to say yes to church, being a part of this church, saying yes to Jesus Christ, or saying yes to go. Lord, help us to not be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, as you come, as we sing, you come. We have pastors up here. If you need to pray, uh, need, need to pray about something. Come, we'll pray with you.